my name is is Jordan Farrell. I'm technical director for the Oakland Roots, and you are listening to the State of the Republic podcast. I'm a guest today, and this is uh, a very, very big honor for me to come back and talk to fans of a club that's very close to my heart. Uh, and so I appreciate the, the time that I'm getting to, to, to chat with you all. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the State of the Republic podcast. My name is Luis, and today I am joined by Sharon, also known as our podcast mom. How are you doing, Sharon? Hey, hey, Luis. Day after Thanksgiving and just doing great. Uh, Looking forward to all that we have coming forward to us today and our interview with with Jordan Farrell. It's going to be an exciting time. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting you know as, as you all heard already from his intro he's really excited to, to be here on today and he was with the republic before and i'm sure he has a lot of uh, amazing stories to tell us from his time with the republic but and we the, have a lot of good questions for him don't we oh yeah yeah it's, it's a long list but trust me it's it's going to be really interesting <laughs> there's a lot of interesting things we'll be uh, talking to him about Uh, But before we get started, I wanted to remind you all, if uh, you are not following us on social media, please uh, give us a follow. You can find us on Facebook, searching State of the Republic podcast. We also have a Facebook group called Sacramento Soccer Fans. So please feel free to join. You don't have to be from Sacramento City. You could be from anywhere else. Please, you know, we we talk about anything soccer related, uh, regardless of, of where you want to talk, if you want to talk Liga Mekis, if you want to talk Premier League, hey, please, you can do so there as well. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram, both on is at State Republic 12. So please uh, give us a follow there as well. And also, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, then please go subscribe, uh, at listening to your favorite uh, platform, and they, they should have a subscription button of some sort. And if you do so, you are going to get notified every time a new podcast episode is posted. So, yeah, please go. Uh, please go do that if you can. And also, please leave us a review if you are able to leave reviews on your favorite platform. It really helps us out a lot. And, you know, it gives us some feedback as well on what, what we're doing good, what we're not doing is great, and maybe what you want to see in future episodes as well. So please uh, take advantage of that, too. One more thing I uh, wanted to also mention, the Indomitable Scarf is actually back. And if you heard our previous episode where we gave thanks uh, to the different things that the Republic did this year, uh, or if you haven't heard that episode, please go check it out. It's really amazing. Uh, it doesn't have to be Thanksgiving for it to be applicable, of course, but it's it's really great. We I had a long list of different things that the Republic did this year, and how, how thankful we are for that. And of course, thankful for other things as well. Um, so please check that out. The scarf is actually going to be uh, costing $35. I believe it's the same price as it was uh, earlier when it was released before. But this time, 100% of the proceeds are going to go to Robles School District. So it's still for a good cause. All of your money is still going to a good cause. And so please, if you haven't bought one yet, buy one if you have already a probably gift one to someone especially as the holidays are around the corner uh trust me that scarf is 
really amazing. The quality, the material that they use to make that scarf is, I think, unlike any other Republic scarf. Uh, I don't know about you, Sharon, but I've never seen another scarf like that. I don't, I don't know what what they did, but it's it's just so amazing. Uh, and, you know, it goes to speak. It's amazing the cause it's going for as well. Uh, and so it just makes it that more amazing. But uh, you definitely won't regret purchasing that. And, and I know it's going to be my forever favorite, no matter what. No matter even the MLS for scarf is not going to be my number one. Because this one has a, a good um, significance as well. Yeah, no, that it's a it's a great scarf, great cause, and and really do support that. Yeah, it's you know I, I still think it's it's amazing that the team decided to produce the scarf and to donate all the proceeds to. Uh, initially, it was back to the Rayleigh's uh, Helping Hands program, and now it's here towards that Robles School District. So, our team doing amazing things as usual, and also. They still have their mystery boxes for sale. If you haven't seen these yet, go check them out at the team store. It's really amazing. They have a, a premium mystery box, and they also have a mystery box for men, for women, for kids. It's really cool. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get, but if you get the premium one, they actually uh, promise you that they'll actually be including a game-worn jersey from a player that you know was with the team from the beginning to last season. So definitely something cool to check out. I actually ordered one and it should be arriving, I believe, sometime next week. So I am really looking forward to that. In fact, the next episode we record, I might potentially have that mystery box. And so we might actually potentially do uh, an audio unboxing of me actually reacting to every single thing that is in that box so you'll want to check that out because i can you have no idea what's in this box you just have a general like clue that you are going to be getting some things but you don't know exactly what design what jersey what headwear you don't know anything of that and i think that just makes it more exciting as well uh i don't know if you've ordered one sharon but it's it's definitely something else i think to to be surprised it's like a christmas present that you gift yourself yeah you know it's so funny it made me think of cuz you know i used to uh be involved with making jerseys but um wondering if anybody remembers mike facito we had him on loan um and and i don't know if any of his old jerseys are still floating around somewhere in the kit room you know game worn jersey from from way back in the first season mike facito um so think about that you know you could be getting a tommy thompson jersey who knows what they have buried away in the kit room from players that have come and gone david estrada i mean you just never know and we've had so many good years of you know people coming through, uh, Emmer Clementa. I mean, is there an old jersey of Emmer's in there? You never know. So, you know, it makes sense to get one. I have not ordered one yet. I've had other other purchasing priorities, that's for sure. And I've, I've recently um, did make some purchases, but not that. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Maybe, I, maybe now I've just uh, encouraged my own self to go buy a mystery box. <laughs> Yeah, no, I am actually really hopeful that I get a jersey from the championship team squad, even if it's maybe not 
one that was worn on the final game, but just that first year, I think that would be amazing. Or even if it's a Roro jersey from this past season or a BJF jersey, you know, we'll see. We'll you see can always hope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm hopeful, yeah. Especially if it's the, the white one with the burgundy sash, you know, the championship jersey, because I, I never got the opportunity to buy that. And as I always say, I'm like, I'm always on the lookout for for one, whoever has one and wants to sell it, <laughs> yeah. because I think it's, you know, it's just uh, so significant in our history. And I actually really liked that design. Uh, and I was more of a fan of, of that particular one they wore. I think maybe because they wore it more often, uh, even though I think it was technically the way jersey, right? Yeah, the, the white one. But it seemed yeah. to be our good luck charm, right? That we still wore it even in home games. And I remember... When I first bought uh, my first jersey, which was the second season, uh, that you know, already with the star and all, uh, I actually ended up buying the home jersey, thinking, oh, they're probably going to be wearing that one. And, you know, I ended up finding out that once, you know, I finally get to my seat, I'm like, oh, they're actually wearing the white one, not the home one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, otherwise, I would have bought the away one. And I think I, I must have even asked someone in the team store i don't remember quite but i think i probably did and they were like yeah i think they're gonna wear the the home one right they're at home and <laughs> didn't quite work out that way but you know at, at least we, i guess I still got that one yeah way back when you know there was a lot of flexibility on whatever the visitors were bringing um with respect to their kit when they would bring it sometimes there were last minute changes <laughs> and you just had to adjust on the fly or you know sometimes they didn't have all the stuff you know, stenciled and printed. So they had to go with whatever was existing and stenciled and printed. There's a lot of fun stories behind the scenes that, you know, we still haven't unpacked and maybe someday we can, uh, we can talk, we can have a, some of those stories told. Oh yeah. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be interesting. Um, w- one thing that actually just came to mind before we uh, introduce our, our guest tonight Um uh, I got to say thank you to the uh, team for actually deciding to do Black Friday once again. I know each year they tend to have Black Friday specials and whatnot. Well, this year, you know, they did the sale where uh, they were selling uh, pretty much almost everything in the team store, except uh, I believe the mystery boxes, of course. Um, But they were doing this special up to 70% off anything in the team store. Of course, different things had different percentage, but... I think it's really amazing that they still did it this year and that the team still continues to uh, want to make sure that fans are able to get specials, even though, of course, we're in this time that the team probably has been hurting a lot in in the merchandise side of things. But, you know, I think it's it's great. And thank you for them uh, for doing that. And and also for offering a free uh, gift wrapping as well as as an option, even if you're uh, sending your order. I thought that was a really neat thing that they uh, have. Sadly, I couldn't do curbside. I was like, yeah, I can't really uh, go there during the curbside times. But, uh, you know, I, I thought it was it was good that they also offer that and super convenient. So we don't have to, don't have to do a lot of uh, gift wrapping, at least for that particular present that, that I want to order. <laughs> well, very good. Um, anyhow, I'm looking forward to our interview with uh, with Jordan Farrell. How about you? Same, same. Like I said, I think he's has a lot of interesting stories to tell us. And he, you know, his hometown is in Stockton. So, you know, he is an inspiration from the Central Valley. So we're super excited to, to have him on today.
So joining us today on the State of the Republic is a native of Stockton who was formerly head coach of the U13, U14, and the U17, U19 of our Sacramento Republic Academy teams. He's currently now the technical director for the USL's newest team, Oakland Roots, Jordan Furl. Thank you for joining us tonight, Jordan. How are you doing? Doing all right. Thank you, Luis and Sharon, for having me. It's a pleasure. So, so Jordan, tell us more about how you became interested in our favorite sport of soccer. Well, um, you know, I was a, I was a kid and, and, you know, a young, young boy with a lot of energy and my parents were always looking for, for ways to, to let me let that out. Um, my, my dad was actually an American football player and played basketball as well. Um, and my mom's brother had played, um, college soccer actually surprisingly back, back when, uh, on the East coast. And so, um, you know, my mom didn't want us to follow my dad's footsteps into American football. Um, and I think we could get a lot more energy out playing soccer. So my brother, I have an older brother and he started playing soccer when he was about five and I was a little bit younger and just wanted to get out there. And so when I could, I think it was like four years old is when I first started playing and, um, have been involved with the game ever since. So I played other sports, um, played basketball and track, played baseball, but soccer is the only sport that I've stuck with, uh, from, you know, little, little, little all the way through till, till now. So, um, you know, I played, uh, had a, I would say an okay youth career, but I was more of a multi-sport athlete than devoted to one sport. Uh, got the chance to play college soccer at Cal state East Bay, um, in Hayward, just, just South of Oakland. And then afterwards went overseas and, and played for a little bit in the amateur divisions in, um, in Germany. It was a really, really good experience and got to see soccer from a completely different perspective um, with everything that, that most people know Germany has gone through. Um, I was there when, you know, a lot of my teammates would have come through academies that were revamped during that, that Renaissance there in Germany. So um it was a good, good perspective for me to have uh, coming from the Central Valley, which was very, I mean, I, I didn't really grow up playing club soccer. I grew up playing, uh, you know, just rec soccer. And then when I was old enough, I started playing men's leagues. So uh, much different than the structure of, of German football. But, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been the love of my life ever since. I told my wife that, you know, she, she is very, very important, but football just is, is a class of its own. So she's, uh, she's accepting of it at least. <laughs> well, the, that's good. No, yeah, it's, it's definitely a whole different world, right? We're going to Europe and experiencing the game over there is, yeah, it must be uh, something else. And, and that's good. I mean, you, you're now in Oakland, you're back in East Bay and, and it's cool. It, it all worked out uh, perfectly for you too. And, you know, it's interesting, Jordan, that you bring up um, the discussion about, you know, you know, to have the chat with your wife, as you may know, uh, somebody who my ex-husband is, uh, is a pro soccer coach, and we both love soccer like crazy for forever. And as a matter of fact, he's uh, still the head men's coach over there at CRC. And I know you know who that is. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And we also had, you know, had that conversation about soccer and the dedication to that. And I totally understood it. I got it. I mean, I mean, soccer was like, it's my love as well. And I, I totally understand that conversation that you and your wife have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got lucky when we, when her and I met, she was just finishing a career playing a 
college basketball here oh, nice. uh, in Stockton at UOP. Yeah. And so she had, she actually started uh, coaching uh, basketball here at UOP when, when her and I first started dating. So, and luckily enough, her, now my sister-in-law um, was pretty, she's a pretty, pretty high level uh, soccer player. She played for the national team and um, won a you know gold medal with the national team. So at least her family and her were familiar with the, the commitments that, that elite soccer uh, brings. So um, I'm, I was pretty fortunate on that side of things. That's awesome. Okay, glad that <laughs> you guys had that too. And you know, she, I'm sure she understands the love of the sport, right? And how how it's how it's, it's it's unique. I gotta say, I mean, not to sound biased, but you know, it is definitely something else. And it's probably because it's the world sport, right? Like everyone, the world plays it, and it's it's massive. Yeah, right. Out of all the sports, so. absolutely. There's a reason everybody everybody in the world plays it. You know, it's easy to love. <laughs> yeah, easy to yeah. play too, man. All you need is a ball. You don't even need a soccer yeah, ball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so we know you you served in various coaching roles with very uh, college teams like Delta and UOP. So my question is, how was the transition from coaching college students to coaching an academy? with the republic with the under 14 to under 19 how how's the difference yeah there? so when i was um i get the question a lot uh when i was um uh, at delta as a head coach and then when i transitioned to to begin uh building the program at uop um the whole time i was working in youth soccer as well um so i was a um, director of player development for one club and then moved to become um uh, technical director for uh, Central Valley Monarchus. Um, so I had been involved in youth. I'd also worked with um, the PDP, NorCal's PDP. So it was a selection program um, that was a lot of the talented players and my target area was the Central Valley. So I was working actually at every level of football from U10s and elite selection all the way up to college uh, in the Central Valley. And so um, you know, we had a great run at UOP, incredible three years there. Um, and the process to get to where we got to was, was really incredible. The toughest thing about college soccer for me, and this is me being a junkie, um, is that the, the college season is just so short. And so, um, you know, three, three and a half months out of the year, you're on cloud nine and it's training and games and the competition's wonderful. And the, really the environment, the collegiality of the campus environment connected to football, I think is, is really remarkable. And it's something that makes college soccer very unique. Um, but I needed more uh, for myself and, and I wanted to, um, you know, I, what I really wanted to do is I wanted to learn the process of player development and really professional development, because that was one thing that, you know, I've worked in player development at the younger ages. We worked developing players and we've worked, we had some pretty, pretty good players come through Pacific, but I was, I wanted to explore this professional development within the academy. And that's something that I never had as a player. It's something that I had seen as a coach when I was over in, in Germany. And uh, it was something that I've, I've seen done really well <laughs> over there. Um, you know, my first coaching gig over there, I was working with the U, U10s. And my second, I was working with the U17s. And what I got is I got the sense that, you know, 
really daily training and, and that education process, that's how you influence players. Uh, obviously, they have to have their own talent and they have to have their own uh, commitment. But there's this really important education process that a club can provide a player. And so, you know, at the time um, in the academy at Republic, there was a lot of really, really good coaches. And and Mikey Varis um, was was there and he was headed off to to accept a job at, at FC Dallas's academy. And, um, you know, I thought, hey, this is a great opportunity for me to, at, at the time, the job was the U13s and the U14. So two different teams, but it was, you know, two sessions a night, four nights a week, games on the weekend, and really just diving into that stage of player development. Um, and it was really, I think, a really important time for me as a coach because, um, you know, we'd, we'd been successful at UOP and I'm not saying we reached the heights that we, we could have. I, I certainly believe that um, uh, meeting Stanford in the first round or second round of, of the tournament was a unlucky draw, but nonetheless, I think we, we could have done more. Um, but I really felt that diving into those ages would just, it would make me a better coach long-term. Um, an understanding of of what a, a talent is at those ages and how to push players during the the golden age of learning that 12s, 13s, and 14s age group. So um, when I moved to Republic, it was to be the 13s, 14s coach and the the head like oversee the 12s as well. Um, as as we all know, Simon was promoted to the to head coaching position shortly shortly thereafter, um, and Ben obviously went went with him. Uh, and that created some some opportunity. Uh, and the the really good thing about Republic is they've always had a track record of promoting uh, promoting coaches, uh, and now even promoting players. And so um, I think it was a it was a <laughs> it was a very the year of 2018 was was remarkable. Um, I actually um, the one thing most people don't know is there was about two months in 2018 where I was the head coach of the U15s as well. So in the calendar year of 2018, I was head coach of every team in the, in the academy besides the U12s. <laughs> uh, but what it was, it was, it was really, it was incredible. It was an incredible experience to watch players grow at the youngest age groups all the way into um, some of the older, older age groups and then watch players get their first chance at first team training, watch players who, uh, you know, even some players who I'd seen in the PDP selection at younger ages in the Central Valley start to make them make their way into the into the club uh, and then grow into first team training. And um, Hayden Sargis is one who I, I, I joke about, but I I had him. My very first PDP head coaching position was of Region Eight. <clears throat> and it was down in Modesto and Hayden was in that group. Um, and then to see him, you know, now starting on the regular for, for the first team is a, so is hands really off, incredible. hands <laughs> off, eyes off, dude, come on. And you've kind of led us to the next question. You, you've described a lot about the 27, 20, you know, your life through 2017 through 2019. And it's, we really appreciate you are a total, you're totally embedded in, in this sport and it's just, your brain is in, incredible and your passion is showing through like crazy, but on your, per, on your team now, Oakland Roots, are there any members of the senior squad 
that um, you that we need to look out for and, and any potential players that we should be on the lookout for in upcoming season from your senior squad or that are currently in the senior squad? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in the process of building the team. So um, I think we have, uh, I think we have a lot of um, key pieces. Um, what it, what it looks like. Um, I think everybody saw Salih was just announced as the first first player. And I'm really hoping that he's scoring some of those incredible uh, bangers that he hit this year for New Mexico um, for us. And I think he's, he's certainly a player with a lot of talent. Um, you know, we're bringing a couple pieces, a couple younger players from our NISA squad this year uh, into the first team, but it's a very different uh, squad building process. You know, we don't have an academy and you can see the fruits of, of Republic's Academy uh, because they've, They've invested really wisely over the over the course of the last few years, and you're seeing it seeing it pay off. So, uh, the way we put together our squad and the way we balance the the localness that we want to have. You know, we are Oakland, we are Oakland roots, and we want to have uh, players from Oakland, players from the Bay Area, uh, because there's a lot of really talented players coming out of uh, the region. Um, so, I think that we will have some some players that are really, really exciting, uh, in, in, in attack and defense. And in between, um, I think we'll have some players that are, are young local players that will, will give some, uh, uh, you know, a different dimension to the team, not just established professionals, but guys who are, are sinking their teeth into the professional game for the first time. And I think that that is, it's really exciting to provide those opportunities uh, for sure. So I, I, I hope there's a day where Republic and, and, and Roots get to do battle in the youth ranks, but, but for right now we get to do it all on the, on the first team level. Yeah, I, I think it's it's great that you guys are also looking locally too, as you know, we know Sacramento does. Uh, we were speaking to Michael from Academica from Sherlock. They also recruit locally. And, you know, I think it's it's more that recruitment that's going to ultimately help grow the sport here in the Central Valley is, you know, making sure that most of your uh, team kind of revolves around uh, making sure that you you get talent that is is in your area, right? And so... Absolutely. I think it's it's good to see that uh, it's it's only going to help uh, grow a lot. Um, so I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, as we're we've already been talking here, roots. Uh, you move on to roots after being again in the academy with the Republic, uh, knowing fully knowing that maybe you may have had a chance, at maybe being coach with the senior team. There could have been, you know, as you were saying, you know, that we have been promoting coaches. Uh, what ultimately motivate you to to make the transition to the roots to be assistant coach and, and leave the academy behind? Yeah, um, I, you know, I did in the process. I, I talked with with um, uh, with Todd and and um, and Simon and Ben were there at the time, and I was already doing uh, you know some work with them with the first team, and it was a very difficult decision. Uh, let's just say that very very difficult decision. And I really, um, you know, I hadn't seen myself leaving. Republic um, for anything really. I, I really loved loved being there. I think the run that we had with the 17s and 19s that that year um, was incredible. Um, you know, we didn't lose a playoff game, but we also didn't advance, which was tough. Uh, but it was it was. I could see the wheels turning, and obviously MLS was on the horizon and all of that. So it wasn't something that that I uh, I took lightly in terms of making the decision. Um, I think it had more to do with what 
you know, what Roots uh, is as a club and what um, my opportunity was there. Um, I think that's it's safe to say. I mean, I, having been at the elite college level and then being around the first team, I mean, Simon, you know, credit to Simon, like I, I sat on the bench of a professional game for the first time at, at, at Sac Republic. And so, um, but I, being in that environment made me want it every day. And I think the opportunity, you know, um, as I said, I went to college in Hayward and I, my brother had lived in Oakland. My, my cousins lived in Oakland. Like I had a lot of friends that were in Oakland and spent a lot of time there. Um, and I knew what type of a city it was. And when I sat down with the people from Oakland and, um, you know, they, they explained to me what the club was and what the vision for the club was, um, it was such an incredible opportunity, I think, um, for me to step into first team football in that context. And, um, you know, there's a lot of challenges, <laughs> a lot of challenges. I mean, I think the first fall we didn't win a game, played some really good football, uh, played some really exciting football, but, but didn't win a game. And, and I think that the biggest thing that, that for me that, that was there was the, uh, the clear link and and this isn't you know I think there's just I, I don't think there's another sporting organization in in North America that has a chief purpose officer you know um, and that was something that when I first heard that I was like what is a chief purpose officer but what it was was there's a very there's a very clear why at Oakland Roots and there's a very clear we are doing this sport is a vehicle it's a way for us to impact society it's a way for us to um, uh, support efforts for social justice it's a way for us to uh, challenge gender inequality it's a way for us to all these things that i mean my my bachelor's is in sociology but it was in the bay area um, my master's is in um, sports pedagogy but from a very sociological lens and i've always seen sport as more than you know, it's, it, it is, yes, it's soccer. I love soccer. I love the, the feeling of a team creating a goal, but it's how, it's how it impacts society, how it brings people together and what it can be used for. Actually, it's funny. My wife, I always tell this story, but the first gift my wife gave me was a book and it was uh, how soccer explains the world. And it was a lot of like how, how soccer has been used as a tool to stop wars, to, um, uh, to change societies. And, that's always been in my heart when, uh, in terms of what I, what I do, what I believe in. And that with the purpose at Oakland Roots was very explicit. And it, it was very simple that whatever we were doing on the field to create great football and to, and to build a, you know, to build a first team from the ground up is, is not something you get to do every day. <laughs> so that's another opportunity having done it at Pacific and seeing what we could do um, and being involved in kind of the, the, startup stages, even coming on a little bit late at Republic, the opportunity to really lay the foundation for a club is something that I, I really enjoy. And so with that, knowing that everything that we did on the footballing side of things was just adding value to the purpose and the impact that we could have in the community, I couldn't pass that up. I, I really couldn't pass it up. And now, now I'm lucky to say that I've worked and currently working, but I've worked in three of the most diverse cities in the United States and uh and laid what i feel like is i've planted seeds that i'm 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 comfortable saying i've been a part of the process of all of these organizations growing and, and i think that's um i'm very lucky very lucky to be in that in that seat 
Well, you know, Jordan, you are going to change the world. We need more Jordans in the world. <laughs> and, and you definitely, I, I, listening to you and being the age that I am and listening to you be as reflective as you are and putting the pieces together, I know darn well that we're in good hands. Um, going forward, you know, should I like not be able to contribute myself? And Luis would tell you what I do for on the side to contribute to society, but it doesn't matter. You're the you're the people. You and the Luises. You are the you are the you are our great hope. Um, but anyhow, you were kind of Thank talking you. a little bit. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, you were talking a little bit about you know these different roles that you've had with the Oakland Roots and. You know, technical director is a huge role. I was brought into the Republic by Graham Smith, and I know what technical director, I know what that looks like. I understand it. Um, and it's huge. So what are some of the big jumps you've made in learning that job? And are you responsible for overseeing all of soccer operations at this point? Um, I, well, I'm still I'm still learning. Uh, I think that's the 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 way my career has gone is just to, to dive into um, uh, opportunities and, and maybe be a little bit, you know, uh, uh, overwhelmed at the beginning or, or um, as a lot of people would say, like out of my league or something like that. But I think it's, it's about having the tools and, and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm lucky I've studied organizations. I've studied, clubs and I've always felt like given the opportunity I would be able to sit in the seat and um and I'm gonna make mistakes that's the the nature of it but I I think sitting in the seat where you're crafting the culture and the the vision for a technical project is something that I've always been looking forward to um if you would ask me a year ago do you want to be technical director I would have said no I love being a coach um but when you zoom out and you look at the field and what being a coach does to your impact, like you can impact that field and you can impact those players and you can have a broader impact as well. But um, as a technical director, really getting to shape how the team is put together, how the team behind the team is put together, um, how the, 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 the ethos of the community is going to play out in uh, our decision-making on a daily basis and who we want to be as an organization. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't, uh, I, I couldn't pass that up. I would say. Uh, and so the move to USL, I mean, there's a lot of conversations about what, what, you know, what's the best way forward. And uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate that the people at the club, um, you know, they, they, they went through a process to try to figure out if I'm the best person or other people are the best, the best people. And, um, I think we, you know, looking at fit, somebody who understands not only, um, the, the soccer and the way that we want to play soccer, uh, but also the community and the way that we want to, as a sport organization, uh, build ourselves into the community. You know, we don't want to come in guns blazing saying, this is what we're going to do. Right. We want to be the ones that listen. And um, that was one thing that in my time in the academy at Republic really taught me a lot of how you can influence the soccer ecosystem by being open to adapting what you think you you should do and, and what is best practice once you get good information and feedback from the other stakeholders in the community, whether that's other clubs, whether it's fans, um, you know, what have you. I think we have uh, very 
competent people that we're working with in terms of my head coach, who's had a, a tremendous amount of experience. Um, I mean, he and I worked together hand in hand as he was my assistant this last year. Um, and so I really know him on the field and his capacity to uh, build a team to win games at the professional level. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that uh, above me uh, in the vice president of soccer role, I have Eric Yamamoto, who's got an, an, an incredible uh, <laughs> experience track record. And, and more than that, what I what I really enjoy about working with with Yamamoto is the, um, this guy. Everyone in the world knows this guy, and he's the most humble person uh, down to earth. And and I learn something from him, uh, you know, constantly uh, working with him. But it is a, it's a unique opportunity as technical director. And I, I really am, I'm very, very, very humbled by having the opportunity because you only get this once with, with startup organizations. And luckily we have a lot of really good people in the leadership of the club that we're all trying to collaborate to make sure that whether it's marketing, whether it's football, whether it's um, operations, that we are all doing things the way we feel an Oakland Roots organization should do it. So it's a it is a collaborative approach. But I, I get I get to sit in the seat overseeing the football, which is something that uh, you know I'm I'm really looking forward to when when the team start kicking the ball. So so this is a fun question, and it's always it's one that I almost always ask somebody at your level or somebody who's actually well. Anyhow, it doesn't matter. Your kit manager. How's your kit manager? Because that is like one of the most important roles, I think, behind the scenes <laughs> on a team because they are the ears. They're the heart of the players. You know, the players always cough up good stuff to the kit. How's your kit manager? Oh, he's awesome. He's awesome. He's uh, uh, Birdie is uh, a wonderful guy. He is full of life. He cracks jokes with the players like the guys you know the guys want to find them if the balls are too too hard or or if uh he doesn't get stuff out and and you know just all those all those fun little uh really important uh conversations and, and sidebars that are had uh, as you said like they're 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 a really good temperature gauge i think and i think our staff like our technical staff you know we just value everybody and so his role as kit manager like sometimes you'll see him running ragged trying to get stuff so that we as coaches can be can be settled on the field and and uh, that's not lost on us you know he's he's very important and uh, he luckily he's he he's not a bay area native but uh, coming to this country as an immigrant he has been in the bay area and so he went to holy names university so he knows oakland really well but he's from san francisco and so he just has this really good connection to a lot of the the players within our previous squads and then the community and so you go it's it's amazing how many places we've been and, and everybody knows him um so he's a you know he's a cheery guy big smile um and yeah a really really important part of what we do well we can't wait to have fans in the stands and be able to see how that you know how that unfolds because i always watch the kit managers you know at all the games it's like i want to see what they're doing and they usually are running ragging so just <laughs> <laughs> describe a day in your life, an average day in your life working um, as general manager for the Oakland Roots. So how does it start? You know, regular season. Well, I, I, I don't know because I haven't sat in this role during regular <laughs> season yet. <laughs> well, um, good point. Good I look, point. I look forward to that day when I can go and, and watch training. Uh, 
but uh, you know, I've always I've been head coach until the season ended. So right now it's just a, it's a lot of roster building, a um, lot of, you know, setting stuff in place and, and trying to get all the pieces to the puzzle together, um, reorganizing our staff and hiring um, for some of those positions. Um, so I'm on calls, screening candidates and, and um, try, just trying to get all, all the pieces again to the team behind the team or beside the team uh, in place, but also, you know, really, really diving deep and trying to make sure that we build a, a really good team for the USL that represents Oakland. And so a lot of my day is spent around those, those two things. Um, very different than when I was coaching, which was uh, more of the, the, the players and, and uh, periodization and, and all of that. But now it's a lot, it's just you, again, when you zoom out, you realize how many different things um, affect the training session every day that aren't really the actual training session every day. And I've always been aware of that. And so in, in my positions, especially when, you know, when you're in the Academy, it was, uh, the training session was myself and Dave Redmond, our, our trainer. I love Dave. He's my guy. Um, he's, he's incredible, but those having two different training sessions and, and managing all the factors that, that go into that, with just youth players really taught me how to manage that performance environment very differently, be proactive, take care of things uh, so that they weren't last minute. And, and now obviously it's a bigger beast in a professional level, but that management is very similar. And now it's managing people to make sure their tasks are done or setting things up right now during the off season so that when our players show up, it's smooth and the players feel like they know exactly what they, they need. They, they have exactly whatever they need, information, process, all of that. So right now is a lot of time on process and, and asking ourselves, how can we, how can we be the best uh, and seeing what that, what we can take care of now during this off season to set ourselves up for success. Hey, Luis, I'm going to jump in with one sidebar question. So, so Jordan, with your, the way you set up your squad and, um, and you're setting it up for the upcoming season, you know, the, the accommodations, the living accommodations for the players, if they're not local, how do you arrange for that? Um, yeah, so we've, we've always had uh, apartments down in either in Alameda near our training facility um, or right near the lake in, um, in downtown Oakland. You know, we want our guys to be able to experience Oakland culture. Uh, it's obviously not cheap to live here. So we use our relationships and whatever we can to, to, to get our guys a good setup. But it's really, a, really a priority for us that guys aren't traveling, you know, 45 minutes to an hour from someplace that's a little bit more affordable. As we all know, lower division soccer players aren't making a killing. Um, but we do want to make sure that they are in town and they're able to, because there's so much well, prior to COVID. Um, and even, even since COVID, you know, there's, there's just Oakland's such a unique place uh, with so many different cultures, ethnicities, um, gender identities, all intersecting. And the lake is where a lot of that happens. And so getting guys in and around that area, in and around downtown, where they can just go for a walk in the afternoon and evening. Um, you know, Jack McInerney would always, um, uh, when he would, after training, he would go home and he would take one of his daughters for, for a walk around the lake. And uh, I think those things are important. Not only are they important for the guys to be able to see um, uh, see the other aspects of Oakland besides just the field and the fans on game day, uh, but they're really important for the 
people uh, around town to see our players as as just normal guys walking around and and living life. And I think that um, you know we we try to facilitate that with their living arrangements for sure. Right on. And I'm from the East Bay, just so you know. Okay. All right. So you so you know the crazy crazy housing market that's out here. <laughs> Absolutely. My stepdad back in the day lived on Lake Merritt. And so I, I totally understand. <laughs> I get right. it. I watched right. it back then. And BART was my favorite when, cause I actually saw it become built cause I'm old, that old. Um, and being navigating BART is the best thing. And I hope the players have learned how to do that. And I hope oh, yeah. you guys have figured out how to get them some free passes so that they don't have to, you know, pay the, the big bucks and riding BART. Anyhow, I think Luis has a question. Uh, I, I want to know how you could write part three. You have to, you have to let me know <laughs> later, later on. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, I think it's it's really great what like you guys have going on over there. And and as you guys are talking, like you know, I, I I'm seeing a lot of what the Republic has done, like just uh, now being done in, in Oakland too. And and you guys are really setting up the club for success. And I think, uh, of course, after the Republic leaves USL. It, Oakland Roots has so much potential to be that number one California team and even beyond that, right? Probably number one in the West. And I think it's it's really great. And, you know, like you were saying, it all really starts with making sure that the community knows the players, get the players involved around the community and, and get that sense of like pride, right? Of your hometown, uh, of the team that you play for. And, you know, I think it's it's all really working out great. So... I wanted to ask you, of course, you know, the biggest announcement was making the transition to USL. So my question is, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the club's journey towards now joining USL? And what are some of the changes that the club is experiencing as, as you guys make the move now to to higher division? Yeah, I mean, we from the outset, and this is one of the things that attracted me to the club from the outset, the club wasn't built for a certain division. Right. It was. It, the, the idea behind, obviously, there's certain things about being in NISA versus being in USL um, that, that make a difference. But I think, uh, you know, the, the, the way we wanted to play, the way we wanted to operate as a club um, was always just with the highest standard, period. Uh, and so there's certainly some changes. There, there's going to be, there's a whole market of players that's now available to us, right? That, that wasn't so available to us in NISA. Um, I think that's one of the biggest changes. Um, I, I think game days at Laney are still going to be incredible. They were incredible before. They'll be even better now. Uh, you know, some of the, the teams that were playing, like, like playing Republic uh, and playing, uh, you know, Galaxy 2 or um, uh, Orange County, you know, clubs that, that I think uh, are very familiar uh, household names in, in the world of football. Um, I think that's going to be really exciting. But we, we really, um, you know, over the course of the last year and a half, we weren't thinking about um, – what level we're at or what level we want to be at or anything like that. Like it's, it's an incredible opportunity for us to be in the USL. Um, and it came about kind of some, some interesting circumstances, but, and timing, um, but we're excited. And, and we, I think it just opens the door for us to be our best and for us to uh, compete at a level that, that we really feel, um, 
we belong at. And now we get to show that. Yeah. As, as you were mentioning that too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've, I've seen the ambience that you guys have at your games and it's, it's definitely something else and, and definitely something that should have been in USL probably since you guys were founded, but you know, I'm glad that everything worked out good. And, and I know you also have the project 510, right. That is going to be joining USL league two. Yeah. And so I think it's definitely really good that you guys have that foundation that you weren't stuck in maybe the Nisa mentality, but you were thinking more uh, towards the future and towards growing the brand. And I think there's a lot of potential there with you guys in Oakland. I mean, we, we know the Raiders and the Warriors are now sadly gone from the city. And so I think there is definitely uh, room for so much growth there and for a lot of people to learn more about soccer maybe actually you know watch watch the game grow the game there and you know i've always said in general the bay area has had so much potential that it surprises me why san jose doesn't do as good maybe it might be the location or i'm not quite sure still like what's going on there but well hey I, the, the way i see it is if if uh you know we had a game i think it was our second home game I think the first, you know, three, four minutes of the game, we couldn't see the field because of all the flares that were lit off, right? That that environment belongs at every level of football. It belongs at every level of football. I've seen it in every level of football. I've seen it in amateur level all the way up to to, to the Champions League. So, um, you know, we're, we're well aware. I mean, I think the games that we're going to get, um, we again, I was saying we we're hoping we got with with the Open Cup uh, this last year, but the, the Northern California teams that that are all involved in professional soccer are really, um, I think it's going to create a just an incredible atmosphere once fans are welcomed back. And uh, I think there'll be obviously rivalry, which is really healthy, but I think you're going to find in the stands a lot of people who uh, are are just happy to have you know like minded. Uh, individuals in the stands. I mean, the, the ultras from San Jose, Tower Bridge Battalion, and, and every fan of Republic. You know, I, re I remember going to a game at Republic against, um, uh, I can't remember who, I think it was uh, LAFC in, in a preseason match. And oh. some of their fans were like, you guys belong here. Your fan culture is great. And I was like, yeah, like that's what you're getting more, uh, I think, is that everybody respects each other and sees hey, they do this incredibly over here and we can maybe add this to and learn from each other. And I think that's that's really that's really important. But with Project 510, you know, we, as I said, we're, we're not going to, the plan right now is to build a, a, an academy the way Earthquakes or, or Republic has. The plan right now for us is to, to target players that we can get on the field in the first team. And so, you know, whether that's a, um, you know, elite 15, 16 year old that we can, can start fast tracking or it's a, a guy after college uh, that can, can play with us or in college. And then um, as they leave college, now we have already a relationship built with the player. There's a lot of different ways for players to achieve professional level in the United States. And, and that's what Project 510 is there for, is for us to really um, uh, sink our teeth and in, in our roots down in the uh, uh, our local community and have an impact that that directly uh, uh, drives players towards the first team yeah and it, like you were saying before it really goes to show that the team had the mentality that like we don't belong to a certain division we just want to grow the game and you know you guys definitely did something there that 
you don't really see many teams, right, that come from uh, Nisa do, right, really have your own academy team and invest uh, so much in that, which, you know, is, is definitely something that pays off in the long run. Now we're seeing with Republic, and we mentioned it earlier, right, some of the players that are coming through the program that are really making a big difference. We, we, you know, we've been really impressed by, by seeing them in this past season. Now that you guys are going to be going to USL, uh, are most of your players going to be making the move or are you going to be uh, contracting uh, a lot of new players or how, how does that work exactly? Yeah, I mean, we if it were if it were up to me just as a as a fan and, and a, um, uh, you know, just the friendships and relationships that I have with with all the guys this season. I mean, we did something that was really remarkable uh, in 2020. Uh, but football is um, uh, football's a beast, and uh, the move to USL it's going to uh, have its own challenges, and it's a really important opportunity for us to, as I said before, you know, our on the field performance just adds value to that. You know, a lot of a lot of clubs that I've seen have tried to maybe maintain a lot of their roster from one division to the next. And, um, you know, we want to have a good core. We want to have a, a solid group of, of players that we feel like belong playing at the next level um, and that everything, you know, everything works out for, for them to remain with us. And I think we've got that. Uh, but along with that, I think there's a, as I was saying, there's a really uh, broad market and in signing Salih and, and a couple other players with with Bay Area roots, Oakland roots, Bay Area roots, we're getting something similar, right? Some players that, um, you know, our, our roster in, in uh, 2020 and 2019 wasn't only Bay Area player. Um, there was a mix. I think that's what the Bay Area is, right? There's natives and then there's the people who, who come in at different stages of life. So that's the same thing that we'll be searching for in 2020. We'll have players who are natives, uh, players who, who know roots and have been um, aware and fans and, and uh, involved even in some respect uh, um, since the inception of the club. And then we'll add to that, you know, players from all over that fit the Oakland ethos and on the field and uh, and off the field, because uh, those those are really important qualities for us. Yeah, well, as, as you know, uh, Republic did let go of uh, some players. You know, we're we're still pretty bummed <laughs> here that some of them had to leave, but hopefully we see them with, with you guys. I don't know if uh, that is a possibility, but it would be would be nice to have them uh, nearby too and be able to still see him. As, as Sharon told me, hands off. <laughs> hands off our existing guys, you know, the ones that oh, are left. Okay, okay. Because okay. because because yeah. we've already had the guys that are no longer with us. We've already had them on our squad. We know how to mark them. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. man. No. But then there's I, uh... also Reno. There's also the Reno players. I mean, Brent Richards. Wow. I mean, who's going to grab Brent Richards? I think of anybody who's on Reno's squad. I mean, that would be, he's a prize. Um, in my mind, just because he came through Republic for just a tiny smidgen of time. He trained with us uh, yeah. years ago. And then yeah. when I saw him show up at Reno, it was like, no, no, no. And then turns out, you know, he's a real valuable contributor to Reno. He holds things together in the midfield and 
you know, he's good. He's solid. Yeah. So yeah, yeah no, that. there's a, it's a, it, honestly 2020 and, and a lot of the changes mean that the market is, is very different. I mean, there's a lot of really good players available. Reno was uh, maybe for some people, they knew what was going on, but that was a, a bit out of left field. We were hoping for a nice uh, I-80, I-80 Darby. Um, yeah that was something that we were looking forward to. And, and I mean, Ian Russell did such a great job out there for, for um, quite a few years and being consistently a playoff team and uh, top record in the USL. And um, uh, so I think that's, that's really, I don't know, unfortunate, but, uh, but, yeah, that- but I also think, I also think, you know, year to year, you just have, you have to make some tough decisions in football and you never, we would all like to, to make the easy decisions. We like the guy and he's a top player for us and everything works out. And so it's, it's cut and dry. Um, Unfortunately, it's not always that way. (laughs) So here's another fun question for you, Paul Buckle, Simon Elliott, or Mark Briggs. When you were alongside those guys, which was your favorite and why? And if you can't name a favorite, then what did you learn from each? But it'd be fun to hear if you had a favorite amongst all, any one of those guys. Oh man. I mean, they, they were all, they were all incredible characters. Let's just say that. Uh, like <laughs> I, I, I would love to sit and, and chat with each one of them. Uh, and I, and I learned so much from each one of them. Um, you know, Paul really, it was a standards thing. Um, and he, he would just, he had great presence. I think he, he really, um, you know, he, he was able to challenge young players of, Hey, you want to be a professional, do it every single day. I think that was, that was one of the things, um, you know, Simon, he held really high standards, but he, I learned a lot from him about, you know, growth mindset as a young player coming into the professional level. And that was something that I imparted a lot to, to some of the younger players that, um, you know, about how to, how to manage that murky up and down of, of those latter stages, just trying to break in and then about breaking and now you've broken in now, now what, you know? Um, uh, and then, and then Mark, you know, I was fortunate enough to work with Mark for a couple months in the Academy, um, you know, as he entered an, into Republic and then to see what he's been able to do with some of these younger players, um, giving them opportunity. I mean, I, I, I won't say that I, I cried, but I was really, really happy to see Rafa, Rafa make his debut this year, uh, see Juju as well, score that, that incredible goal. Um, and just to see the players play with, with, with freedom. And that's something that I think Mark does really well is he gives young players the confidence to go out there and really just be themselves. Um, so I, I can say, you know, I, I love each one of those guys. I learned a lot from each one of those guys. Um, uh, I won't, I won't say which one's my favorite. Um, but, uh, but I really, I, you know, I've got a, a lot of respect for each one of them. And I think that each one of them was really, really important to building, um, the club at Republic, both in the youth and in the, in the first team as well. Well, and it also sounds like they helped you in, you know, through, through your just observing how they were, it sounds like they probably did help you uh, advance your goals, but what's something that you could take away from you you've discussed a little bit, but if you could distill it into one nutshell, how did those guys advance your goals where you are right now? I mean, literally you have made the biggest leap that pretty much anybody in their career could make. And in a short time. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's tough to put your, put your finger on one thing. 
because at, at all points in time, I try to be a sponge, you know, and, and I'll throw Todd into that mix because some of our uh, meetings with academy staff, first team staff, and some of the information and wisdom that Todd uh, gave and the way in which we dialogue back and forth, it is just, uh, there's a wealth of knowledge there. And so um, I really, I really tried to be ears open, eyes open for my entire time there. And I think the, the biggest thing that I learned was that, that open door policy, because it made the first team of a club less of this mysterious thing and it made us and the the academy feel like we were a real part of it feel like we were really contributing because we were on the same page and so that 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 uh collaboration was something that we saw i mean i I, might have been my second or third week that i was there paul called me in um because he saw me walking by and we sat and we chatted for a couple minutes. How's it going? How are you settling? Talk to me a little bit about what, you know, what you're doing with the 13s and the 14s. Um, and then obviously Simon having, you know, worked with him in the Academy and then being in the first team, um, you know, it was just, it was so open and, and, and collaborative. And obviously they're the head coach of the first team. So they've got to make their decisions on, on game day and selection. And they've got all the pressure on their shoulders and all of that, but, but you never felt that. You know, you you just felt like you were you were a part of what you were seeing on game day, um, and, and I give each one of those those guys credit um, for creating that type of a culture. So it's something now sitting in my seat um, that I really want to create. Um, we have good collaboration. We people are decision makers. Like our equipment manager, there's times when when we're like, "Hey, dude, you're the decision maker," <laughs> and uh, but it, but also there's good collaboration, right? Because he has he has a, a great opinion and there's sometimes we ask him for his opinion because we know his insight is could be really vital to us making the right decision um and i think that that again that's the culture at republic everybody speaks with respect everybody there's no like there is a hierarchy you know that's the nature of it but the you don't feel the hierarchy on a daily basis and i think that's the biggest thing that i learned there and and have tried to 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 bring in here and and make do in my own way um, being here. That's actually really good management technique period. That'll get you far in life. Uh, Luis and I were just talking about management techniques before you came on. So I, I think, uh, I think you've nailed it and just keep, that's just awesome. That full on open door, you know, inclusivity and collaborative approach to things is, is way better than a top down uh, dictatorial style. So well done. Absolutely. Yeah, well then, I think uh, I think Luis has uh, I think Luis has something to say here. Yeah, no, I I wanted to say I mean definitely as as you know you guys talk about that open communication that is in the team and whatnot. I I think that gets reflected outside to the community as well, right? Because we see how organized they are, and and I think back to the beginning of the pandemic and the Helping Hands program and how the whole team rallied around that to go deliver food to the people who needed it the most. And we saw players, staff, fans, like they made sure like everyone was included and everyone really felt right the uh, support to want to support their local community. And it's definitely something that they've done really well. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad, Jordan, that you're with the Roots and you're able to kind of take some of that over to them too, because we 
definitely need more clubs like that that really get invested in their community that really want to make sure that they can be a, a role model to to any other club out there and and spread the the message too but uh, i gotta say you know like i i probably speak on behalf of all republic fans so thank you for all the work you did with the academy because we're seeing the fruits of that work pay off now and uh, I don't remember ever being a season where we saw so much academy players get so many minutes and uh, for us as fans to actually ask for academy players to play instead of maybe regular starters or even new players that have just joined the team and it, it's it's something really great because we're inspiring the future players of the Central Valley and we're showing them that you know if if you want to play the sport if you want to invest the time in it if you want to keep growing in the sport then there's a place for you and you could eventually probably make it there as well or you know maybe join the USL team as well so it's not necessarily just the republic but they have all these opportunities because they know that the the path could could be there eventually and so yeah thanks for for contributing to that you you really left your mark you you're welcome i i've uh I mean, you know, there was a lot of people. Uh, I appreciate it, but there was a lot of people that were involved in getting these guys to, to where they are today. Um, one of the one of the things that, and I said this to somebody the other day, um, Richie Ledesma, Sebastian Soto, those guys show up for our national team. And most people don't know Mark's role in breaking those guys into the professional ranks. Uh, he's really good at that. And that's what I, I, I was saying. One of the things that I really learned from him was, the way he instills confidence in those young players. And I think, um, you know, you're right. There's been a number of number of people in, inside the academy uh, that have gotten all of these talents to the place where now they're ready for first-team football. But it's really key that, that Todd and Mark have created an environment where those, those players are, um, are now given the opportunity. And that's the, the, the biggest thing you'll see. They, they'll have their ups and downs. It's very different than a 28 year old who's an established professional and has, you know, played a couple hundred games or, or what have you. They'll have their ups and downs, their kids, right? But they, they have the talent. And I think given the confidence, which is something that, that Mark does a really great job of, you'll, you'll start to see it. You know, you saw it this year. Hayden was, I thought, really really good uh, at the back for you all and, and to be to be fair um, Simon before and, and and Todd always has uh, used somebody like Deckel as a really good mentor for Hayden and so um, that's a culture thing it's not just a one-off right that's that's saying hey we know we have this young player coming through and we have this veteran and let's foster that relationship because it's going to be beneficial for both, right? The, the, the veteran, um, that, that being in that position to impart the wisdom and to, to help a young player along at, at that stage in your career, it can really help you. It can stoke the flame because you see, like, I remember when I was that age and, and you, you might, again, it might be a little extra fan on the, on the flame at, at that stage of, of, of your career. So I think they've created a, a great culture and I love, I love seeing it. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. It's something that it's not like, you know, they're, they're not my kids or anything like that, but to see where, you know, like Rafa, uh, as a, as a under, under 14 player, um, you know, kind of waddling into training every night, uh, versus now as a, as a 
professional. I think it's um, it's special. It's certainly something special there in Republic. Yeah, it's something amazing, and it seems that uh, you know, moving on to these next two seasons before they train MLS, it's looking more like you know that it's going to be the main focus, and and we'll probably be seeing more players uh, by. And and I think it's good. I mean, ultimately, they're joining MLS in three years, and you never know what team or what players might actually bring or come back to that MLS squad. And I think it's a perfect opportunity to start getting them involved in USL. So by the time we join MLS, they'll already have that USL experience and hopefully possibly be on that uh, first team uh, list too. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But I think that they're really um, starting something that is probably going to pass on over to MLS and we'll we'll probably be one of those teams that is more academy based than uh, really getting a name which you know isn't always that bad because you are uh, showcasing all the local talent like there's just so much talent around here and sadly you know thinking back to like 10 15 years back when like I I would just play for fun there wasn't that many opportunities around here right like you May, I mean, you had the earthquakes. That, that was really the biggest thing around, and everything else wasn't as developed. The USL wasn't really even developed either, too. It kind of switched back and forth, and the name switched all the time. And so I think it's good that we are in different times now. We're seeing more and more teams come up in different divisions. And, you know, it's it's a really exciting future that I think if – their focus is more on academy for the next couple of years, moving on to MLS, then it might work out uniquely for us here than maybe for someone else or for another team that is, you know, maybe in another area that might not be a, as a hotbed for soccer like our Central Valley is. Northern California as a whole, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of talent out there. I see you. I see myself in you. And I want to be able to follow and, you know, do what you're doing. And so don't be surprised if people don't start, you know, clamoring for advice from you because you're important. No, thank you. Thank you so much, Shan. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very lucky to have been given the opportunities that, that I, I have. And, um, and I hope like uh, I, uh, I get the question a lot, you know, being previously being one of the two black American uh, professional coaches, you know, what do you, do you feel responsibility, pressure? I only say that the, the most important thing for me is to inspire others. And if others feel like they can do it because they saw me doing it or they questioned before and now they feel more confident doing it, like that, that's the only thing that I care about. So um, I, I, I certainly appreciate it. Well, Jordan, you know, we wanted to thank you for uh, taking the time to join us here on State of the Republic. Uh, you know, wish you the best of luck this first USL season for you guys. And, you know, hopefully once things get better, we'll definitely be making a trip out there to Oakland to watch the Oakland play Republic. And hopefully we get to meet you as well. And, you know, hopefully we get to have you back on sometime in the next season. Absolutely. I hope that they save our two games for once there's fans in the stands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be the, the smart move. I hope hopefully it's towards the end. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I'm thanks for I'm the time. So looking forward to it, you know, and having known some of your players from, you know, the prior league, uh, Tavo and Chris and Dom. So I'm really looking forward to watching the Oakland roots now 
<laughs> the USL level. Yeah, it should be it should be a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, hopefully um, this this pandemic will uh, pass at some point and we can return to to football our our new normal of football um, with fans because that's I don't know that's that's what makes it football. I th- I feel like um, and that's that's been a big part that we've, we've all been missing. So um, hopefully soon. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. We we. We need to be back out there. It's already been way too long. <laughs> We've got the whole season without it. <laughs> yeah. And empty stands is, is tough for you all as fans and tough for us as, as players and staff. So, um, yeah. Let's hope 2021 is a little different. Yeah. Oh, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, take care. Stay safe. And uh, we'll, we'll be chatting, hopefully, in the next season. All right. Take care, you too. All right. Thank you. So once again, thank you to Jordan for joining us today, spending time here on State of the Republic. It was really inspiring, I think, to hear his story and, you know, how quick he, he's moved up in the ranks and now he's with the Roots. And I have a feeling, as I said before, that we are going to be seeing a Roots that is going to be a lot like the Republic was at the start and really going to be uh, turning into that Republic of the USL, especially after we go to MLS, right? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm super excited for him. And actually, you know, just looking at his background, he is in the right place for what he's doing. You know, he's gotten his master's degree. He's studied, he's a student of the game and totally. And, and once you have identified yourself as that the rest of your life, you actually are going to study the game and everything will be fresh every day. And he's, he's going to make a huge difference. I'm so glad we were able to get him on for this interview early on, you know, in his technical directorship career, because Lord knows where he'll be going from here. He's, he's, he's becoming visible. You know, the club is going to be fun to play against. And I'm really looking forward to the upcoming season. I think, I think he's in the right spot and I really appreciate the fact that he came and did the interview with us. Yeah, likewise too. I mean, we definitely learned a lot. Uh, You know, I I still need to find out how you get free BART passes from you. But but yeah, you know, definitely learned a lot about the team and kind of where they're going and the the different plans that they have. And and I think it's really amazing to see lower division teams or, you know, well, when they were in NISA have this big club mindset, because as I said before, we heard it back in the interview I did with Michael from Academica, uh, who is MPSL. They have a lot of ambition. And I think the more clubs we start seeing here in, in Northern California that have that ambition, the more growth we are going to see within those clubs, within their communities and more support and all that. And, you know, it's it's exciting. Like, I think we are living in really great times for our sport here in, in our um Central Valley in the Bay Area time. And I'm really excited because, uh, you know, back when I was in high school, back like 15 years ago, like it, it wasn't like this. And I, I think when we saw Republic join the USL, I think a lot of other clubs around the area just started to grow more. I think it was around that time that we saw like an explosion of growth and clubs and and different opportunities for players to to play, right? And and all that. And it's it's great. I mean, I, I kind of wish I could go back to <laughs> being uh, probably eight or nine and actually like play soccer because 
you know, all these players are, are in good times right now. And I think it's it's really great to to see that and to be able to see the sport grow even more because, you know, younger generations are going to have more playing opportunities and are going to be exposed more to the game and are going to attend more matches for different teams because you have a, a team that you know might be closer to home than, than you did before. And it's it's great uh, as someone who really enjoys the sport uh, and and all that i think it's it's something really amazing to see my you know hometown area be be so like involved with soccer and and it's only going to grow from here yeah on. no and i i have to agree you know we saw that the big explosion of interest in 2013-2014 and sac soccer day and and i could see the roots you know emulating the same thing but in their own way i mean we definitely heard what the culture is like in in oakland and i can appreciate that like nobody's business um having you know come from the east bay I get the East Bay mentality. I mean, come on, Tower of Power, all that other good stuff, you know, um, <laughs> and some of the some of the best music. But one of the things that, and you touched on it during the interview, one of the things that's really important for Oakland right now, since the you know Raider Nation has disappeared, well, from Oakland, it's still alive and it's kicking and it's doing really well is we will see an incredible level of support for this USL soccer team, the Oakland Roots. We're, you know, it's almost like initially a, a, some people were hesitant to become fans of the Republic until they saw just how much fun it is to go to a game and just how the spirit is the same. I mean, and the, the folks who supported football that may have been on the fence about soccer, they'll probably come full, full tilt to the, you know, to see these Oakland roots games that way they, you know, and, and, you know, San Jose is going to have to share a little bit of the fan base, but Oakland's really onto something. Oakland is, is they're going to do big things and don't be surprised, you know, if down the road, there's room for everybody kind of a thing. And I'm, I'm curious, at least we talked about this oh, a few months ago about who is going to be our affiliate when we jump to MLS and, you know, we're kind of fingers crossed that it's Oakland and, you know, we were lamenting, Oh, maybe we have to get Reno. And, and now without Reno, who's going to pick up, Oakland because there's no other nearby USL um, championship team for either San Jose or for Sacramento. So we should, we should have our next, (laughs) we should do an upcoming podcast. We should tease that. Let's talk about that in an upcoming podcast. What do you think? Oh, I agree. I think that that would be, that'd be really good. And, and of course, you know, being biased, I'm like, yeah, Republic should have that. Um, (laughs) But but I think more than just that, like like I mentioned it, uh, you know, earlier with uh, Jordan too. Uh, I'm just looking at at what they're doing now that they're about to join uh, USL and just you know even in you know now in their NISA times, they they are just a lot like the Republic and you know from not, not just like the atmosphere of games from from what I could tell uh, so far you know in in the MPSL, but also from the structure of the team right and what some of the things that they want to do and. They really want to connect with the community, make sure that their players are also connected with the community, that people kind of uh, know who they are, that people are are kind of like developing these friendships, right? That we've seen a lot of us, right? Even us Sacramento fans with the players, with previous players. And and I know you know more than, than I do, Sharon, too. But, you know, the, those things are really amazing, right? To be able to really have these 
friendships with them and and to see them at games it's almost like you're rooting for a friend a family member because you you know them personally too it's not just a player that you have no idea who they are you just see him on tv or you just see him live at games and you know you never talk to and i think doing that and establishing that is really amazing and you know i think that's what ultimately fans really appreciate and that's what has them coming back because it's almost like they are watching someone who they actually know right like it turns yeah. into that whole like parent watching their child play youth exactly kind of it's, a thing <laughs> it's like family i agree i agree and i have a feeling they're going to do it a little bit different than even the republic did we brought in you know in the first few seasons other than cam and tommy thompson um, we actually brought in so many people external you know from the area that i can see um, the Oakland Roots doing it differently. I think that they're going to have a lot more local talent. And when Jordan was talking about, you know, that they really want to build an academy a little bit different than everybody else. I understand. I mean, the way the sense that I get it is that for their first team, you know, the USL championship team, they will most likely use, try to get local players, more local players on the squad. They have a huge talent pool and, you know, they're, there have been other teams coming come and gone in the area of pro soccer teams. So they actually, they have people to draw on, you know, locally. And I just, I have a feeling they're going to have more local names than just two or three. I think they're going to have a bigger, and that'll even make it even more popular for, you know, everybody to go watch the game is because they're watching people that they've already, that they already know. And Good luck. I would tell them, you know, every, every, as we all know, every player has a certain allocation of free tickets that they can give away each game. And good luck with that, Oakland, because they're going to have a long list of, you know, trying to bring in, you know, friends on the, on the ticket list. So I, that's always the tough one to manage. It's like, no, you can only have four, <laughs> pick your four. So it, it's, it's exciting, Luis. I'm so glad you set this one up. This was great. Yeah, it, it, it was really amazing and inspiring. And, you know, I, I think it's like I told Jordan, I think it's amazing that that he did a really great job with the academy and, you know, everyone else in general, too, who has contributed to, to this academy in past years and currently now is is doing a, an amazing job. And uh, it's it's really great to be able to know players that are from the area. I mean, I'm I'm still impressed by... Hayden being from Sherlock, which, as you all know, is my uh, is where my school is from, Stan State, and knowing that is it's something else. It's something else knowing that someone from my local area, even more local here, is, is actually playing for the Republic and and started yeah, well, on pretty much all games. Mario's from Elk Grove, so I mean, go figure. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's where I'm from. Yep. So this so is this is all good. I agree. Cool. Well, I wanted to thank you for, you know, joining us on, on this episode today. Um, be on the lookout for our next episode. Uh, we are going to be actually interviewing the Black and Gold Brigade, uh, who is actually the official supporters group for Academica Soccer Club. So if you haven't listened to that interview we did with their general manager, please uh, go Check it out. Uh, look at our previous episodes and you'll find it there uh, because this uh, interview with them should be really interesting. They are a relatively new supporters group. And, you know, we're really excited to hear uh, what they have to say, especially about uh, some of the epic 
games that this academica team has had and and how much of an environment they've brought to this local team interlock that is actually a representation of the central valley as well so you won't want to miss that upcoming one and again go check out the previous one uh, so you can hear more about the team and find out more about how they got started and their journey in the open cup which is actually a really interesting story as well so thank you podcast mom for being here uh, today Oh, and thank you, Luis, for inviting me anytime. And, you know, thank you, everybody, for listening in and and, and taking a, a moment out of your day to listen to these podcasts. We really appreciate that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Thank, you, thank you, everyone, for tuning in uh, each time. Uh, we are really excited to bring you more interviews. As, as we know, it's the off season, and we are going to be actually uh, doing a lot of interviews during this time uh, until... You know, we find out when the next season season comes back in the USL, which I don't know when that will be, but hopefully it'll be soon so we can already uh, plan for that as well. So thank you, everyone. Take care, stay safe, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>